0: Welcome to the show, everybody. This is your boy, Lo Jackson, coming to you live with the Only You Podcast. This is a podcast where I like to read you books that might encourage you. um, It may give you some kind of different mindset that just might not have been there. You know, it wasn't there yesterday. It, It wasn't there this morning, you know, and that's what this podcast is about. It's not about me. It's not about me talking on this microphone. This podcast is about you, your journey. And my journey too and what I'm learning along the way as well. This is my second season. I'm down. I ain't no clown. I just try to relay information to people that might be too busy to get the information. And If that makes sense. And I hope it does because a lot of times in life we get caught in our struggles and don't realize that we're even in a struggle. When life gets you down, you gotta find a pick-me-up. And that's why you pick up the Only You Podcast. And today, I want to read to you guys a book called The Art of War by Sun Tuzu. Um, I find this book to be a five-star review because Sun Tzu is a great author for one, but you learn so much in that book that... There's no way you couldn't apply the pr- principles to your life. It's just a given. Once you read like the first intro to that book, you know that you need to read the rest of it. So get out there and be reading. And that's what this podcast is about, too, you guys. I like to encourage people to read. I got fans. I've had over 5,000 listens. Uh, I just want to say thank you to a fan. Hey, Lee Lee, thank you so much for the comments. I do appreciate it. And I hope you got mine. Uh, like my boy down in San Antonio, Xavier, used to say back in the day, I love you, girl. Yeah, thank you. This is the Only You Podcast, your boy, Lo Jackson, coming to you live. And I say I do this live because I do it live every time. I stutter, I stumble my words, but in heart, I'm real. And today, we're doing The Art of War by Sun Tuzu, simplified Chinese, was a Chinese military general, strategist, philosopher, and writer who lived during the... Uh, eastern Zuhu period Sun Suntuzu is traditionally credited as the author of The Art of War an influential work of military strategy that has affected both western and eastern Asian philosophy, philosophy and military thinking. It focuses mu- much more on alternatives to battle and even to war than war itself such as um, stratagem Delay, the use of spies, the making and keeping of alliances, the use of deceit, and a willingness to submit, a least temporary to more powerful foes. Sun Tzu is revered in Chinese and Eastern Asian culture as a legendary historical military figure. Uh, His birth name was Sun Wu that's, and that's traditional Chinese um he was known outside of his family by his courtesy name Chang Quinn now Chang Quinn was a bad mother shut your mouth <laughs> this is the only you podcast and today I'm reading to you the art of war by Sun Tuzu and you know thank you guys for um listening thank you for following me and really thank you for like all the awesome comments i've gotten um i am not anyone special i try to be the best i can be at this and this is not easy it takes a lot to put this together for you it really does now where was i with that intro and this is the art of war by sun Tzu. i wanted to get you that introduction though Thank you guys for listening to the Only You Podcast. And this is The Art of War by Sun Tuzu. And this is an old book and you can find it on all the platforms I've told you guys about. Barnes and Noble sells it. It's a great gift to give to somebody, you know. Get out there and read and that's what this podcast is about too. It's about encouraging people to read and to learn things that they didn't know yesterday. To make tomorrow a better day, you know. And I want to read to you the introduction, like I said earlier. Sun Tuzu was a native of the Chai State. His art of war brought him to the notice of Hulu, uh, King of Wu. Hulu said to him, this is the king, you guys. I have carefully preused your 13 chapters. May I submit your theory of managing soldiers to a slight test? And in return, Sun Tuzu replied, You may. Hulu asked, May the test be applied to women? The answer was again in the affirmative. So arrangements were made to bring 180 ladies out of the palace. Sun Tuzu divided them into two companies and placed one of the king's favorite concubines at the head of each. He then bade them all take spears in their hands and addressed them thus I presume you know the difference between front, back, right hand, and left hand. The girls replied, Yes. Suntuzu went on When I say eyes front, you must look straight ahead. When I say left turn, you must face towards your left hand. When I say right turn, you must face towards your right hand. When I say about turn, you must face. Right about towards your back again, the girls ascended, assented, the words of command having been thus explained, he set up the halberds, the battle-axes, in order to begin the drills, then to the sound of drums, boom, boom, but doom doom, he gave the order, right turn, but the girls only burst out laughing. <laughs> Suntuzu said, "'If words of command are not clear and distinct, "'if orders are not thoroughly understood, "'the general is to blame.' "'So he started drilling them again "'and this time gave the order, "'left turn whereupon the girls once burst into fits of laughter. "'Suntuzu, if words of command are not clear and distinct,' If orders are not thoroughly understood, the general is to blame. But if the orders are clear, <laughs> Oh, yes, if the orders are clear, girls, and the soldiers nevertheless disobey, then is it, it is the fault of their officers. So saying, he ordered the leaders of the two companies to be beheaded. Now the king of Wu was watching the scene from the top of a raised pavilion. And when he saw that his favorite concubines were about to be executed, he was greatly alarmed and hurriedly sent down the following message. We are quite satisfied as to our general's ability to handle the troops. If we are berefet an audience, berefet means lacking in or lacking of. If we are bereft of these two concubines, our meat and drink will lose their savor. It is our wish that they not be beheaded, sir. Tuzu replied, Having once received his majesty's commission to be the general of his forces, there are certain commands of his majesty which, acting in this capacity, I am unable to accept according he had the two leaders beheaded and straight away installed the pair next in order as leaders in their place when this had been done the drum was sounded for the drill once more brum and the girls went through all the evolutions turning to the right or to the left, marching ahead or wheeling back, kneeling and standing, while perfect accuracy and precision, not venturing to utter a sound. Yeah, no one was laughing at that point, wouldn't you say? Then, Sun Tuzu sent a messenger to the king, saying, "'Your soldiers, sire,' Are now properly drilled and disciplined and ready for your majesty's inspection. They can be put to any use that their sovereign may desire. Bid them go through fire and water, and they will not disobey. But the king replied, Let our general cease drilling and return to camp. As for us, we have no wish to come down and inspect the troops. Thereupon, Suntuzu said, the king is only fond of words and cannot translate them into deeds. After that, Hulu saw that Suntuzu was one who knew how to handle an army and finally appointed him the general. In the west, he defeated everyone. The state all the way and forced his way into Ying, the capital, to the north. He put fear into the state and spread his fame abroad amongst the federal princes. And Sun Tuzu shared in the might of the king. About Sun Tuzu himself is all that has to tell us in this chapter. But he proceeds to give a biography of his descendant. Sun Penn, born about a hundred years after his famous ancestor's death. And remember the name, Sun Penn. Audience, thank you for tuning in to the Only You Podcast, your boy Lo Jackson. I'm doing the Art of War by Sun Tuzu. Don't be out there messing around with Sun Tuzu, one bad dude. He don't play no games, out there beheading people, y'all. Shoot. (laughs) And also, the outstanding military genius of his time, Suntuzu, the historian speaks of him too as Suntuzu, and his preface was read. Suntuzu had his feet cut off and yet continued to discuss the art of war. He discussed the art of war. It seemed likely then that Pen was a nickname bestowed on him after his mutation Unless the story was invented in order to account for the name. Isn't that wild, you guys? He was probably walking around with no feet on, up, you know? One bad dude don't mess around with Suntuzu. The name-crowning incident of his career, the crushing defeat of his treacherous rival, Peng Chung, will be found briefly related in Chapter 5 19 note. To return to the elder son Tuzu, he is mentioned in two other passages. In the third year of his reign, 512 BC, Hulu king of Wu took the field and attacked the city of Chu. He captured the town of Shu and slew the two princes' sons who had formerly been generals of Wu. He was then meditating a descent of Ying, the capital. But the general, Sun Wu, said the army is exhausted. It is not yet possible. We must wait. After further success fighting, in the ninth year, of 506 BC, King Hulu addressed Wu Tuzu and Sun Wu, which Sun Wu is Sun Tuzu, saying formally, you declared that it was not yet possible for us to enter yen it it is the time right now the two men replied <clears throat> is gr- they are grasping and Covertus and the prince of tang both have a grudge against him if your majesty has resolved to make a grand attack you must win over the two and then you may succeed hulu followed his advice, beat Chu in five pitched battles and marched into Ying, the capital. This is the la- latest date at which anything is recorded of Sun Wu, which I believe Sun Wu is Sun Tuzu. He does not appear to have survived his patron, who died from effects of a wound on 496. In another chapter, there occurs this passage. From this time onward, a number of famous soldiers arose, one after the other. Cao Fan, who was employed by the Chen State, Wang Tuzu in the service of Chai, and Sun Wu in the service of Wu, these men developed and threw light upon the principles of war. And you guys, thank you for tuning in to the Only You podcast. This is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit because this is a great read. And I hope you rush out there and check it out for yourself. It has a lot to um, teach in here. You have so much education to learn about in this thing. It's like, I'm serious, you guys. Like, when I first read... Um, the first five chapters of this book—I mean, I was pretty mind-blowing. Like, chapter one is laying plans; two is waging war. Let's let's read a little bit of both, okay? Uh, chapter one: laying plans. <clears throat> um, Sazu Kung is defining the meaning of the Chinese for the title of this chapter. Says it refers to deliberations in the temple, selected by the general for his temporary use or as we should say in his tent one Sun Tuzu said the art of war is of virtual importance to the state two it is a matter of life and death a road either to safety or to ruin hence is a subject of inquiry you guys listen to this stuff seriously I mean, write this stuff down, honestly, or run out and get this book. Two, it is a matter of life and death, a road either to safety or to ruin. Hence, is a subject of inquiry which can no, on no account be neglected. Three, the art of war then is governed by five constant factors to be taken into account as one's deliber- deliberations when seeking to determine the conditions obtaining in the field. These are the moral law is one, two is heaven, three is earth, four is the commander, and five is the method of discipline. It appears from which follows that Suntuzu means by moral law a principle of harmony, not unlike the Teo of Leo Tezo. Oh yeah, you guys, that's a type of religion The as te- Teoism totally forgot about that and it's and oh if you guys get a chance read about Taoism that stuff's wild it's pretty interesting in its moral aspect one might be tempted to render it by moral were it not considered as an attribute of the ruler in note 13 5 6 okay I'm moving on a little bit the moral law causes the people to be in complete accord with their ruler You know, do you guys understand that? The moral law causes the people to be in complete accord with their ruler. I believe he's talking about God there. So that they will follow him regardless of their lives, undismayed by any dangers they may occur to them while on this planet. I believe, that's my own words right there. Not Sun Seven is a uh, heavenly signifies night and day cold and heat times and seasons. The commentator, I think making an unnecessary mystery of two words here. Meng. She refers to the hard and the soft waxing and waning of heaven. Wang. Ha. However, I believe these are like uh, scholars, you guys. <clears throat> I'm sorry to interrupt the reading. However, may be right in saying that what is meant is the general economy of heaven, including the five elements, the four seasons, wind and clouds, and other phenomena. Kind of interesting, right? Um, eight is earth, compromises distances, great and small danger and security, open ground and narrow passes. The chances of life and death. Nine is the commander. the, The commander stands for the virtue of wisdom. The commander is God to me. Sincerity, benevolence. You know? Do you guys know anything about benevolence? The quality Of being well-meaning, kindness, you know, courage and strictness. And that's the commander, you guys. It says the five cardinal virtues of the Chinese are humanity or benevolence. Two is uprightness of mind. Three, in which this stuff's in the Bible and Christianity too. Being upright is important to everyone and to yourself and your person. You know, who are you if you're not upright, if you're always being somebody else? You know, don't hide from your true self. If you're a mad person, you got to seek help. You know, you can't take your stuff out on people. Three, self-respect, self-control or proper feeling. And that's important. Four is wisdom. And, you know, wisdom is, you know, a force to honestly really be reckoned with here, you know. I think, um, wisdom is like this. With age, everything is possible. But with time, everything is impossible. And those are my own words, and I made that up, so don't steal it. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I did make that up, though. But wisdom, that's wisdom to me, though, in those words. Five is sincerity or good faith. Here, wisdom and sincerity are put before humanity or benevolence, and the two military virtues of courage and strictness, substitute for uprightness of mind and self-respect self-control or proper feeling and that's something that a lot of people struggle struggle with in today's society is proper feeling because we're so regulated by so many different chemicals and so many different little stupid addictions we don't even realize um 10 is by method and discipline are to be understood the marshalling of the army in its proper subdivisions the gradations of rank among the officers, the maintenance of roads by which supplies may reach the army, and the control of military expenditures. And if you guys don't know how the military, or excuse me, the highway system got started in the United States, it was by one of the great presidents we've had, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, he was Eisenhower was. Uh, our general at one point, man, that became our president, but once he was president, he put in to, um, act the, I believe it was, I believe it's the interstate act, honestly. Um, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, and he pretty much got it from the art of war. Um, it said right there, you know, which The maintenance of roads by which supplies may reach the army and the control of military expenditures. And that's how Dwight D. Eisenhower, I don't know why I keep saying Howard, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, Thank you guys for listening to Only You Podcast. I'm doing The Art of War by Sun Tuzu. Um, And we're doing chapter one right now. And I'm on number 11, which is these five heads should be familiar to every general. He who knows them will be victorious. He who knows them not will fail. And that's totally true. Anybody I've ever given direction to in my life, if they didn't listen to me and they thought I was a joke and they played around or horse played, I would always warn them in the beginning like, hey, it's one thing to joke, it's one thing to play, but you you don't ever throw anything at anybody. You don't ever put your hands on anybody. I actually was a road crew supervisor once and i had a guy come to me and tell me that this other guy kept smacking him on the butt and telling him good game and he didn't like it so i had to go address the other guy and tell him hey man lay off he didn't like it don't do it again so the dude that came to me in the beginning he literally opens up he f- and we're working on the highway they were actually picking up garbage at the time Um, and I was the road crew supervisor. He found a plastic Pepsi bottle full of urine, unscrewed it, threw it across the freeway. I was trying to get my seatbelt off to get out in time, to get over there in time. I mean, I had to run across four lanes of traffic (laughs) and, um, I seen the bottle hit the ground and the dude, it splashed all over him, took off in front of traffic. They came to like screeching halt. He just start he just started whaling the guy. I couldn't get over there in time. I wound up having to call 911, in which they were both instantly arrested. It sucked because I just literally had to have like an HR moment with them. But uh, 12 of the art of war. Sorry about that long uh, story. Therefore, in your deliberations when seeking to determine the military conditions, let them be made the basis of a comparison, in this wise. 13 one which which of the two sovereigns is uh with the moral law and in oh it's excuse me it's, embue, embue, it's imbue imbue it's i m b u e which is inspire or permeate with a feeling or quality is what uh that word actually means thank you guys for tuning in um two is which of the two generals has most ability three with whom excuse me lie the advantages derived from heaven and earth four on which side is discipline most rigorously enforced tumu alludes to remarkable story of the two so i'm It really does say that stuff in here. I'm not going to read it to you, though, because it just seems like gibberish. But it's actually um, Native Chinese Names, who was such a strict disciplinary that once... And I don't want to actually hack their names, because these people are honestly scholars of this book. And they were the ones that um, interpreted it in the beginning. Like, they were scholars in, like, uh, 155 A.D. and... Like 220 um, AD. This is the only you podcast. And back to the art of war. Um, That was actually, you know what? I'll go on to that next chapter because that was okay. I'll do five. Which army is stronger? Um, Six is on which side are officers and men more highly trained? Seven is in which army. Is there the greater consistency both in reward and punishment? On which side is there the most absolute certainty that merit will be properly rewarded and misdeeds um, summarily, I can't say that word very well, summarily, summarily, summarily punished, and misdeeds summarily punished? And fourteen by means of these seven considerations, I can forecast victory or defeat. Fifteen, the general that hearkens to my counsel and acts upon it will conquer. Um, <clears throat> let such one be retained. Excuse me. Let such a one be retained in command. The general that hearkens not to my counsel, nor acts upon it, will suffer defeat. Let such a one. Be Dismissed. That's interesting. 16. While heeding the profit of my counsel, avail yourself also of any helpful circumstances over and beyond the ordinary rules. 17. It says, according as circumstances are favorable, one should modify one's plans. And Tzu, as a practical soldier, will have none of uh, bookish rhetoric uh rhetoric he cautions <clears throat> he cautions us here not to pin our faith to abstract principles for as Chang Yu puts it while the main laws of strategy can be stated clearly enough for the benefit of all and sundry excuse me guys uh, you must be guided by the actions. I wanted to see what sundry was. Sundry is a uh, of various kinds, several. Interesting. Or uh, lemon rind, and sun dried herbs. I had never uh, seen that word, but I uh, I forgot what it meant. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Only You podcast. Um, I'm doing the Art of War by Sun Tuzu, and we're talking, this is one of the scholars, Chang Yu right now, he puts it like this, while the main laws of strategy, can be stated clearly enough, for the benefit of all, and sundry, you must be guided, by the actions of the enemy, and attempting to secure, a favorable position, in actual warfare, on the eve of the battle of Warlu, uh... Uh, The Lord commanding the Calvary went to the Duke of Wellington in order to learn what his plans and calculations were for the morrow because, as he explained, he might suddenly find himself commander-in-chief and would be able to frame new plans in a critical moment. The Duke listened quietly and then said, Who will attack first tomorrow? I or Bonaparte. Bonaparte replied the Lord. Well, continued the Duke, Bonaparte has not given me any idea of his projects. So, um, Bonaparte um, has not given me any idea of his projects, and as my plans will depend upon his, how can you expect me to tell you what mine are? 18 is all warfare is based on deception. And that's the truth. No matter what warfare it is, whether it be civil warfare, whether it be mental warfare, you know, it's it's serious though. All warfare is based on deception. The truth of this uh, pithy and profound saying will be admitted by every soldier... Um, If you guys don't know what pithy means, it actually means concise and forcefully expressive. So, we just learned a new word, pithy. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. Um, And profound saying will be admitted by every soldier. I read that. Um, Colonel Henderson tells us that Wellington, great in so many military qualities, was especially... Uh, distinguished by the extraordinary skill with which he concealed his movements and deceived both friend and foe and what this scholar is getting at is somebody else used this book at one time to win a battle because it's real and like I said all all welfare is based on deception in 1942 you guys um, the Israeli army beat the Palestinians not by real warfare, but by mental games. They filled up every single 55-gallon drum barrel they owned in that country. and they. But, but at first they brought every single 55-gallon drum that they owned in that country to the very top of the mountains where they were that the Palestinians were about to invade and take over. This is 1942. You can look it up. But in reality... They filled every single 55-gallon drum with rocks. And then they took... I can't remember... I can't remember how many tanks. I think it was like two or... It was anywhere from two to four tanks. I don't really recall. And don't quote me on every single little detail. But I do believe the story to be true is that they took the tanks and then they rolled the barrels down the mountain. And the Palestinians thought that it was hundreds and hundreds of tank tanks. So they retreated, and like I said, all wealth—oh, yeah, all welfare. Yeah, it's true too. All welfare is based on deception. No, all warfare <laughs> is based on deception, and that's how the Israelis won in 1942, because they won based on deception. 19. Hence, when able to attack, we must seem unable. When using our forces, we must seem inactive. When we are near, we must make the enemy believe we are far away. When far away, we must make him believe we are near. 20. Hold out baits to entice the enemy. Fiend disorder and crush him. All competitors except. Chang Yu, which, uh, oh, excuse me, commentators, which commentators, I believe, means, like, philosophers or scholars. Chang Yu says, when he is in disorder, crush him. It is more natural to suppose that Sun Tzu is still illustrating the use of the deception in war. So it's not saying that he's really saying crush him, but deceptively and 21 if he is secure at all points be prepared for him if he is in superior strength invade him 22 if your opponent is of chloric temper seek to irritate him pretend to be weak that he may grow arrogant I do find all those things to be so true in life and in situations. Um you know, uh one of the guys says that says that the good uh tactician plays with his adversary as a cat plays with a mouse. First fiending, weakness, and immobility, and then suddenly pouncing upon him. <laughs> ah uh, 23 if he is taking his ease give him no rest bitch get your ass up and get to work there ain't no time for rest you know like uh you know uh, what's her face said ain't gonna know we got time for all that this is probably the meaning though uh, while we are taking our ease wait for the enemy to tire himself out he has lured him on and tired him out. Yeah, says he. the guy has lured him on and then tired him out. If his forces are united, separate them. Less plausible is the interpretation favored by most of the uh, commentators. If sovereign and subject are in accord, put division between them. 24. Attack him where he is unprepared, unappear where you are not expected these military oh, 25 these military devices leading to victory must not be divulged beforehand 26 now the general who wins a battle makes many calculations in his attempt to for the battle to be fought and to be won thank you guys for listening and chapter two is waging war Uh, One is uh, Sun Tuzu said in the operations of war where there are in the field a thousand swift chariots as many heavy chariots and hundred thousand uh, male clad soldiers which male clad do they're freaking decked out in steel so they're definitely tough as nails the swift chariots were lightly built and according to Chang Yu used for the attack the heavy chariots were heavier and designed for the purpose of defiance. It is true uh, he says that the latter were light, but his this seems hardly uh, probable. It is interestingly to note the analogies between early Chinese warfare and that of the Homeric Greeks and they s- actually shared a lot of stuff. they actually traded together the Chinese and the Greeks at one point, and they probably still do to this day honestly in each case. The war chariot was the important factor, forming as did the nucleus round, which was grouped a certain number of foot soldiers. With regard to the number given here, we are all, all, excuse me, I can't even talk. We are informed that each swift chariot was accompanied by 75 footmen, and each heavy chariot was by 25 footmen, so that the whole army would be divided. Up into a thousand battalions, each consistently of two chariots and a hundred men. Um, two is when you engage in actual fighting, if victory is long and coming, the men's weapons will grow dull and their armor will be damp- uh, dampered. If you lay siege to a town, you will exhaust your strength. Three is again, if the campaign is protracted the resources of the state will not be to the strain for now when your weapons are dulled your armor dampered your strength exhausted and your treasures spent other chieftains will spring up to take advantage of your extremities then no man however wise will be able to advert the consequences that must ensue five thus Though we haven't heard of stupid haste and war, cleverness has never been seen associated with long delays. Thank you guys for listening. This is the Only You Podcast. And I said that I was going to give you guys some coping skills. And I really did want to share with you, you know, what is conflict? Conflict is a normal part of any healthy relationship. You know, after all, all two people can't be expected to agree on everything um uh, all the time the key is not to fear or to try to avoid conflict but to learn to resolve it in a healthy way when conflict is mismanaged it can cause great harm uh to a relationship but when handled in respectful positive ways uh conflict actually provides an opportunity to strengthen the bond between two people and I don't think a lot of us really understand that whether you know you're experienced uh, with conflict at home or work or school you know uh, learning these skills can help you resolve differences in a healthy way and build stronger and more rewarding relationships um, one is a conflict is more than just a disagreement and not a lot of people understand that a conflict is more than just a disagreement. It's actually a situation in which um, one or both parties perceive a threat. And so when you actually encounter a threat, you are forced with a fight or flight mode. Actually, you know, it determine, you know, what determines that is actually the surroundings and the situation as well um your amygdala inside of your brain is triggered then your um like your prefrontal cortex is triggered because that should be you know your mindfulness or your governing mind saying hey you're not in any harm or hey you know it's time to buck up and beat the fuck out of somebody you know that shit happens in life you gotta be real um whether or not you know the threat is real a conflict is more than just a disagreement. Never forget that um, conflicts continue to fester when ignored, and you see this a lot in the workplace. You know, conflicts continue fester when ignored when two people have issues because conflicts involve uh, perceived threats to our well-being and our survival. Um, we're actually, you know, animals; uh, they stay with us until we face them and uh we resolve them and if you don't resolve them they grow into um personality disorders borderline personality disorders depressions um leading into you know uh how we respond to conflicts is based on our perceptions you know um we respond to conflicts based on our perceptions of the situation, not necessarily to an objective, uh, review, I guess, of like the facts or our perceptions or and you know, you know, most of our perceptions are influenced by life experiences, culture, values, and beliefs, you know, so we, we respond to conflicts based on our perceptions that way. And That is true for everything. Um, Conflicts uh, trigger strong emotions. You know, when somebody comes at you with something, you either, you know, flare up, you know, submit, try to talk sense into them, or tell them to leave you alone, stop, or you just, you know, beat the hell out of them, I guess. (laughs) I hope not. And I do believe that nobody ever, you know, no... Nobody ever deserves to put their hands on anybody, ever, but every person is entitled to their own individuality, their own personality, and their own personal space, and that if, that, if those boundaries are ever crossed, you guys, you need to take direct action, you need to um, say, hey, you're an enemy, man, you actually aren't a friend, you're a foe, you're cunning, but hey... You're doing things that are unappreciating people and their integrity and no thank you. Nobody deserves that. You know because everybody's entitled to their own individuality and everybody's entitled to their own personality. And conflicts trigger strong emotions. You know, and if you're if you aren't comfortable with your emotions or able to manage them in times of stress, you probably won't be able to uh, resolve conflict success you know successfully, unfortunately. And that's the truth, you know, cuz your con your conflicts trigger strong emotions and it makes you do things that you don't think you would do, but unfortunately there is repercussions for your actions in every situation. That's why we got to listen to Sun Tzu, get yourself under control. When you have a manager, when you have a supervisor, when you have a CEO, You listen to them and when they tell you something, it's not about the money. It's not about quietly quitting. It's not about they don't know me, they don't know where I've been, they don't know what I've been through. It's not about that. It's about the hierarchy of the situation at hand. You know, conflicts are an opportunity for growth. Um, When you're able to resolve you know, your growth, you know, your con- when you're able to resolve your conflict, you're able to grow. You're able to move forward, you know. Uh, it, it builds trust, you know. It's like when when you're able to resolve conflict in a relationship, it builds trust completely. There's no other way around that. The trust is formed, but it's easily broken. And it's especially broken when it comes to a person that's been broken. And a person that's been broken doesn't know they're broken, so they try to act like somebody else and be somebody else in mere situations and behave in certain types of ways that is unappreciated unappreciated by other people, even family members. And it sucks. And it sucks when it's your family member. It's like, come on, man. I love you. Don't do this. Don't be that way. And it's like, you can feel secure knowing your relationship can survive challenges and disagreements. You know, if you because conflicts are an opportunity for growth, and don't forget that, you guys. Because causes of conflict in a relationship um, are caused by many different things, but conflict arises from um, differences, both um, large and small. It occurs whenever people disagree over their values, um, their their motivations, their perceptions their ideas or their desires. I, oh man, I've had certain situations arise that have just been so stupid and crazy over stupid stuff that I thought was so trivial and funny that wound up really crushing somebody. And then I come back and I'm like, I am so sorry. i never meant that. I am terribly sorry. You know, it's like sometimes these um, differences appear trivial, but when a conflict triggers strong feelings, a deep personal need, It's like it's uh, often at the core of the problem. Uh, A deeper personal need is often at the core of the problem. These needs can range from the need to feel safe, um, secure, or respected, or valued. Um, The need to be closer, to be more intimate. Those are all things that people need, you know, and that's... Those are, but you can get into conflicts about those things easily. Think about the opposing needs of a toddler and a parent. You know that's an easy, uh, an easy, an easy opposing uh, needs uh, conflict. You know, the the child's need is to explore, so venturing to the street or to the cliff's edge actually meets that need, but the parent's need is to protect that child, and Put them in safety, you know? (laughs) Um, The needs of each party play an important role in the long-term success of a relationship. Um, Each deserves respect and consideration. In personal relationships, a lack of understanding about differing needs can result in distance, arguments, and even breakups. In the workplace, differing needs can result in broken deals, decreased profits, and a loss of jobs. And I think we've all witnessed that during COVID. Thank you guys for listening to the Only You Podcast. And that was my rendition of The Art of War. Tune in next time.